What is up, everybody? What is up? What the fuck is up? This is the Carmine Davis show. I messed the intro up. I'm just really, really excited about this um, artist spotlight that we have going on. I woke up and rolled over to some amazing news. Fight my manicure falling apart. Um, I have amazing news today. If you have no idea, Aaliyah's music is coming to Spotify. Oh my God. Like, I am so fucking excited. I am so excited. I wanted to leave with that. But before we get into all of that, um, make sure you follow, rate, subscribe, and review to this podcast. Um, we're just growing and growing and growing and growing. And I have a special package coming for you guys um, coming soon. So I pay attention to my Instagram, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis and Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show. Um, I've got something really, really special coming for you guys. Um, but anyway, I ain't gonna hold you. Uh, let's, let's dive the fuck right on in. Okay. So we're going to start with the art. Um, the first segment is always the hot topic, the hot topic. Like, okay. So, so much shit is going on. All right. So I'm not going to talk about um, the baby anymore. I'm not going to talk about that Tory Lane situation or yada, yada, yada. We all know what the fuck is going on with that. Um, but today, okay. Um, this is from lovebscott.com and I'm just going to go ahead and, and let you know that this is the Aaliyah show, the Aaliyah show. As it should be. It kind of already is. I am this generation's Aaliyah. I wanted to turn it up for y'all can hear that. I say that. I hold on to it. My Capricorn sister. I, I've been in love with Aaliyah um, since I was a child before um, I could even remember. I've been an Aaliyah fan. I'm a stan. And I've always seen myself in Aaliyah. I've always resonated with her. Her message. Her image. I always as a young boy, loved how she was both masculine and feminine. Um, I loved how she vocally was in her own lane. She, you, she was timeless. You didn't know if she was young or old, if she was sweet or street. Like, she was just right down the middle of everything. And I loved her, and I related to her. Um, she was very positive, uh, very mature for her age, and very secretive. She lived a very secretive life. And I, I saw a lot of myself in her. And I don't feel like it was in a sense of secrets as much as it was her business. I, I, a lot of things Aaliyah did in her life made sense. And the hot topic today, of course, is from lovebyscott.com. Um, R. Kelly's lawyer admits Singer had sexual relations with Aaliyah, and the jury would hear about a legal marriage. Okay, so... The last pretrial hearing before R. Kelly's federal sex trafficking trial begins next week featured a laundry list of what will and won't be heard by the jury, including his secret marriage to then-teenage singer Aaliyah. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna pronounce it Aaliyah. Just to get in the habit, because when it comes to Spotify, when I bring it up, I'm going to ask y'all, have y'all got that new Aaliyah pack? It ain't no Aaliyah. Um, it's time for her legacy to continue. This is a side note. And we will refer to her as Aliyah, the diva. Okay, so anyway. In the latest update, prosecutors will present evidence that Kelly allegedly had sexual contact with Aliyah when she was underage. The late singer will be referred to as Jane Doe number one. So keep that in mind when this R. Kelly thing goes in. Jane Doe number one is Aliyah. Okay, R. Kelly and Aliyah secretly got married in 1994 when she was 15. And 
He was 27. At the time, Aaliyah used a fake ID and that said she was 18. Allegedly, R. Kelly or someone in his camp bribed a government official for the fake ID. The marriage was later annulled. USA Today points out Aaliyah became pregnant at the time, which is why R. Kelly married her. The article reports that the marriage would have protected him from possible criminal charges at the time because a wife can't be forced to testify against a husband. Um, wow. NYDN notes a lawyer for R. Kelly conceded that R. Kelly had sexual contact with the recording artist Aaliyah during an awkward exchange over the R&B star's illegal marriage when she was just 15. However, then Kelly's defense lawyer, Thomas Farnella, quickly backtracked. Judge Ann Donnelly asked Farnella, are you going to deny that there was sexual contact with Jane Doe number one? Farnella reportedly gave a deep sigh and said no. Then... Lord, okay, um, this is not funny. Then federal prosecutor Elizabeth um, Jedes then chimed in, giving Farnella an opening to walk back his remarks by reminding him that Aliyah was underage at the time reported on NYDN. Are they not going to dispute that at this time Jane Doe, Aliyah, was 13 to 15 years old? Jedes asked. Farnella replied, we do dispute. Farnella said, though it was not clear if he was referring to Aliyah's age or whether the two had a sexual relationship, we're not prepared to concede that right now. Lock them up. Okay, let me tell y'all, this is controversial. I don't shy away um, from controversial things and comments and my opinion about things. R. Kelly and Aliyah were wrong. Dead wrong. Dead wrong. Um, all of this was is creepy. Um, looking at it from the lens of what we know now. Um, at 15, 13, she was pregnant, allegedly, and that is weird. But let me tell you something and how I feel about what is the true weird, sad thing about, but the honest thing about that time. In the 90s, early 2000s. I remember when I was growing up in the early 2000s and um, mid-2000s, there were a lot of high school, college boys at my school picking up freshmen, junior, juniors, seniors. And a lot of their mothers knew about their relationships and they looked up to them. They liked the boy because the boy had a good job. He was a football player and he got a good job or he's in school. He's taking care of the girl, taking the taking um taking the pressure off of their parents to take care of the daughter and a lot of times the mother used to have weird um a, a weird relationship with the boyfriend who was much older than the girl um i remember one person in particular i'm not about to talk about nobody on my show i'm not going to name drop but there was one girl in particular who had a boyfriend who was older. We were in the same grade. Like, we were both freshmen. She had a college boyfriend. And her mom and them used to dote on him. They were black, and they used to dote on him. She, he used to wait for her. Either he used to pick her up from school, or he used to pick her up from the bus stop. And if y'all rode bus 23, y'all know who the fuck I'm talking about. If not, forget about it. Don't worry about it. Nothing or something. But... The parents usually like these men because, again, like I said, they took a lot of pressure off of taking care of their daughter. Uh, sometimes the mom was attracted to the 
son himself. They used to have weird relationships and stuff like that. And a lot of times, daughters and mothers fight over the boy. These boys are like 24, 25. Sometimes these niggas are 27, 28, 29, 30 motherfucking years old dating these 16-year-old girls. So when I think back to the 90s and how Aaliyah and R. Kelly's relationship came, and from what I've gathered about Aaliyah, it was that at 15, she was 40. Again, for the record, this is not me co-signing their relationship at all. I feel like R. Kelly and everything that R. Kelly did was disgusting. But to put it in the mind frame of especially black homes, um, there were no, there's not a lot of, sadly, I always come up with this phrase that the devil always sits at the door of black homes all the time. There's a lot of things that happen in black homes that are, especially when I was growing up, that were disgusting when you look back and think about it. And Aaliyah's relationship with R. Kelly could seemingly come across as a come up for Aaliyah's, Aaliyah's family. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was R. Kelly in the 90s. He had just got from a public announcement. Uh, he was that nigga in the 90s. He was. Like, he was a, a jiggy, rich nigga. He saw something in her daughter. He made her a star. And this is what Aaliyah wanted. Aaliyah wanted him. She loved him. Um, they're both Capricorns. There's, they live in their own world. There is, there, I believe that, I truly believe that Aaliyah really did love R. Kelly. And I believe that R. Kelly really loved Aaliyah. In their weird, warped, forbidden love type of way. I, their relationship to me is such a mess. It's so dirty and, but it's so riveting to me. I would have, it's not romantic, but it's very entertaining, like telling of the times. It's, we have to be real about certain things, especially when it comes to this R. Kelly thing. Uh, Like I spoke about last week. R. Kelly, we've known since the 90s that R. Kelly was a pervert, and we decided in the late 2010s to treat him as such after he's given us fucking 30 years of nothing but perverse music and a perverse lifestyle that later on our conscious selves started to kick in and we realized, oh no, it's time to stop him. We need to stop R. Kelly. But for 30 years, there's a lot of things, a lot of relationships like that that there think about it there are a lot of 40 50 year old men right now dating 20 something year old girls that have been dating i've known this man since high school bitch what i've known him since i met him when i was a junior high bitch what a lot of y'all's mothers was were much younger than your father i'm not saying it's right but let's keep it real about the situation There's a lot of 15-year-old mothers with a lot of grown men as their father. You know, you going to see your daddy at the old folks' home. Let's keep it real. Y'all making plans. You're my age, and you're making plans on where your daddy finna stay. Your father might be in hospice. Girl, let's keep it real. And your mama is going to 
Belize, you know, going, she might just be turning 40, you know, celebrating her big 40. Like, let's, let's be real about the situation that this is something that is sadly common, especially not just with black people, because white, come on, there's the thing about white people, they sell their daughters to older men for the same reason. It's just really, 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 um, Sadly, it's cheaper to sell black women, which is just, which is sad. Like, at least R. Kelly gave, you know, Aaliyah, Aaliyah a career, you know what I mean? Or helped her become who she was. A lot of these bitches is getting, giving their daughters up for a ride so she don't have to pick the bitch up from school. So she can go get her hair and nails done every weekend or every, you know what I mean? Like, let's be honest. Let's be real. So you don't have to buy your daughter no school clothes. Orlando is buying your daughter school clothes. Dorian is buying your mama, or your daughter, her new backpack and her new hair. This grown-ass man who works for UPS is taking your daughter out to eat or buying her new outfit for the football game. Come on. Somebody tweet me if you know what I'm talking about. At Carmine Davis. Um, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show. But you conscious bitches, for the record, I'm not saying that this is right. I am talking about the reality of the situation that a lot of y'all's mamas were 15 with a 40 year old man. Like, let's, let's be a dead motherfucking a buck about it. Like, a lot, even Hispanics, a lot of, a lot of families, that's how their relationship and their dynamic was. If, they were called to the carpet or if they were famous at the time and this was a new relationship in the 2010s or 2020s, that shit would not fly. But in the 90s, let's not act like this was not a thing. Now, I do believe that R. Kelly deserves everything that he's getting. I believe he deserves a fair trial. I believe everything should come out and I'm not a avid R. Kelly fan. But I do understand that R. Kelly is retarded. Can I say that? Is that okay? No? R. Kelly is not wrapped. Um, y'all know what the fuck I'm trying to say. R. Kelly is not the um, brightest nigga, um, um, the quickest nigga in the hood. You know what I'm saying? Like, R. Kelly is not... Right. So it would make more sense why he would find himself aligned with a 15-year-old in his 20s. Because R. Kelly, Aaliyah might have been the brain of the operation. Um, I, y'all know what I'm saying? Is this too much? Trigger warning, maybe? Y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, come on. Like, girl, come on. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I'm just being real. Like, I'm not saying... And then, come on. Like, at 94, R. Kelly was a come up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just be real about the situation. It was not right. But let's be real. Let's keep it a buck. Like, if R. Kelly... And you were... Let's just say that you were 15... You've been around the block. I'm not saying Aaliyah has. I don't know Aaliyah, and I love Aaliyah. I'm speaking from a fan of Aaliyah. And one thing I've known about Aaliyah is that she was far from dumb. 
And I knew that, I know that R. Kelly is. So I don't, she was young. Legally, she should not, she can't consent. You know, her body, all that, giving it to such an older man is disgusting. But we all know that there are a lot of 15-year-old girls who know a thing or two. You know what I mean? They're grown. Their mama was grown. Their mama, you know what I mean? Like, I don't. (sighs) Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Come off of it. Let's stop being cut the bullshit. Let's keep it real. I'm all about keeping it real on the Carmine Davis show. Um, If you can't handle that, skip. Go on to... um, Let's go see what Michelle Obama's talking about. You know, my Capricorn sister, she's later in life. She's a little bit older. She's got time to play with y'all. You know what I mean? I don't. Um, what's another good Spotify um, show that y'all could check out, podcast? If you want to keep it real, make sure you hit the follow, subscribe, rate, review. Share this. Like, come on. Keep it, let's keep it real. We can keep it real. We can talk. We can talk. You know what I mean? Like, we can talk. Let's talk about it. Like, it, it's it's... What we know, especially black people, I'm talking to y'all. White people, you know, y'all's mama, she's just turning 43. Your father, she's willing your father around the mall. What time? And they've been married for 30, 40 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, they've been married for 26 years, 25 years. How old was she when she met the nigga? We don't talk about it. We don't think about it. You know what I mean? Like... Your father was a pervert too. But okay, you know, like I said, this is the Alia show and we're here to celebrate her. I I just want y'all to get that shit out your head. Like y'all act like y'all's mama wasn't fucking 20, 30 year old men at 15, 16, 17, 18. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, it's not right, but come on. All right, according, this is the artist spotlight. This is the second um, segment. We talk about um, music that I love, artists that I adore, albums, groups, bands, concepts, soundtracks, um, my, or my mind. Um, next week, I have a really, really great uh, show. I wanted to spotlight another artist, but this week is the Aaliyah show. And Aaliyah, some music to return after a decade. This is according from Billboard.com. Oh, my God. I'm so fucking excited. But I'm not a 1,000% happy about the way it's rolling out. Let me, let me kick it to you, okay? Barry Harkinson is late. It's Friday afternoon in July, and the reclusive, en- enigmatic music mogul has been tied up in Atlanta Recording Studio overseeing a session involving one of the many sought-after unreleased masters under his control and is only just getting back home. He, his ranch in Noonan, Georgia. I didn't, sidebar, I did not know he was so close. I would have been pulled up on Barry Hankerson. Not to hurt him, you know what I mean? But to have a real conversation. Barry, come on. I would have got Gladys Knight. We would have rolled up. You know what I'm saying? Like, rolled up, maybe rolled up. You know, smoked a little bit and, like, had a real conversation. Like, what are you doing with the Leah's music? Like, why is it over here collecting dust? What is your problem? Okay. Um, his uh, Noonan, Georgia ranch stretches over 100 acres on which he keeps horses, raises cattle, and grows his own crops, which he harvests himself. 
At 73, a year removed from a stroke that left him contemplating his health and legacy, it's the simple life that fulfills him. After decades in the trenches of politics, activism, and the music business, where the highs were stratospheric and the lows almost unspeakable, I love walking amongst the cattle, letting the horses wander around the pasture and walking with them. He says, speaking steadily while sitting in an overstuffed brown leather chair in his home. Sometimes I'll just go to the stream at the back of the property and just sit there and watch various animals run around. I really like being alone. I bet. Because um, you don't have to think about how you rob Tony Braxton, Tank, JoJo, Aaliyah, and countless other artists of their legacy. So, okay, Rachel Ranch life seems an idyllic final chapter for a man who has seen and achieved much in his lifetime but there are many both inside and outside the music industry though not everyone who for the past decades have been clamoring for him to take a much active role in the great jewel of his domain the catalog of his record label black round records and more specifically the last two albums by his niece the iconic r&b singer Aaliyah whose most consequential works have been kept off digital services providers and out of print for much of the last two decades, following her tragic death in the plane crash on August 25th, 2001, at the age of 22. Now those people are finally about to get their wish. Hankerson has secured a new partnership with independent Bay Area-based music company, Empire, that will make the entire background catalog, not just Aaliyah's works, oh my God, but 17 albums by artists including Timbaland and Magoo, Tank, Up Jumps the Boogie, uh, oh my God, we're finally, we it up. We gon' show you how we party. Girl, I cannot wait to add that to my playlist. Um, Timbaland and Magoo, Tank. I'm finally gonna be able to get Maybe I Deserve. Um, Tony Braxton. <laughs> When it comes to Okay. Um the Libra album. And JoJo, so we can finally listen to the original uh, Leave Get Out without this horrible um, recover she did. Available to stream for the first time ever and for both physical and digital purchases for the first time in a decade. And after what fans have been deemed an, a seemingly endless wait with several false starts and unfulfilled promises along the way, Hankerson is finally sitting for his first extensive interview in over a decade to answer the question that everyone has had on their mind. What took so long? Mm-hmm. He muses calmly as the conversation begins. I knew you were going to ask me that. Aaliyah Donna, Donna Houghton was 11 years old when, he, when she shared, first shared a stage with Gladys Knight, the great diva from Atlanta, who for a short period, of, period in the 90s, I mean, in the 70s, was also Hankerson's wife. She's still one of my favorite artists, he says, then quips. I guess she was one of my favorite wives, too. I had a few of those. Pig. Three years later, Hankerson launched Blackground specifically to support his niece's foray into the music business and introduced her to R. Kelly, a management client of his at the time, who was then celebrated and sought after singer, songwriter, and producer. 
The results of the collaboration between Aaliyah and Kelly was an album called AJ Nothing But a Number, released in partnership with Jive in 1994 when Aaliyah was 15. That same year, Kelly and Aaliyah were alleged to have secretly wed with her age forged on the marriage certificate. An annulment allegedly followed, and Aaliyah and eventually Hankerson broke off contact with Kelly. Um, but the album was a success, producing two top 10 singles on the Billboard Hot 100, and a career was born. With the budding stars on his hands, Hankerson shipped the background, black round from Jive to Atlantic, cutting a pure distribution deal and maintaining control of the label's masters, a move he would stick with in subsequent deals. In an effort to find a new sound for his niece, Hankerson brought in two young, relatively unknown songwriters, Timbaland and Missy Elliott, and the partnership took off. Aaliyah's second album, One in a Million, was released in 1996 on Blackground Atlantic to even greater acclaim. Then her debut in the following years, she'd take a break from the music to launch a film career, acting in Romeo Must Die and Queen of the Damned. Her first ever number one Hot 100 single, Try Again, came on, former's, on the former soundtrack and another fruitful songwriting partnership with Static Major, but return beloved um, as ever in July 2001. Her self-titled third album released on Black Round Virgin debuted on number two on the Billboard 200, a high watermark in her career. At the same time, Black Round was expanding, first by signing Timbaland Magoo, then R&B crooner Tank, and eventually then pop prodigy JoJo. I always looked at artists as special people because they articulate our culture, says Hankerson. An artist helps you bring forward what your people are about. And I had that good fortune to work with some of the biggest artists who ever lived. Aaliyah, however, was the sh his shining star. And as great as her impact was in life, it was only radiated further since her death. Let's face it, R&B music today is based upon the groundwork that Aaliyah laid in 1996, says Kathy Landalaw. author of the forthcoming book, Baby Girl, better known as Aaliyah, due August 17th. Aaliyah just was just has continuously looked and sounded like every single era we've entered in the 20 years that she has passed. That's what I was just talking to my best friend about this. That has allowed her an immortality that no one has ever had before because she doesn't look like a relic of an era that's no longer there. She looks like someone who's continually continuously grows with every new fan that finds her. Aaliyah's shocking death and a tragic accident that also claimed eight other lives at such a young age and at a such a high point in her life and career made headlines around the world and came right in the midst of Blackground's run of success. The company carries on. It would lit release eight sub subsequently top 10 Billboard 200 albums through 2007, but much of its momentum effectively ground to a, ground to a halt. The label's deal with Virgin fell apart within weeks. A new deal with Universal Records resulted in diminishing returns, and cracks began to show in the label's facade. A series of lawsuits by Braxton, Timbaland, JoJo, and others over unreleased material and breaches of contract brought the reputation of the label and Hagerson down further. By the end of the 2000s, background distribution deals with various Universal Music Group-owned subsidiarities had worn down. Leaving those artists with works owned by Blackground, the entire discography to the point of Tank, Jank, JoJo, and Timbaland and Magoo in limbo, feeling trapped. And with little leverage over their own careers, JoJo would eventually re-record the two albums she put out through Blackground and released them through Atlantic in 2018. Tank has said that he is trying to regain control of his master from that period. Both declined to comment on for the story, by the way. The label seemingly floated into non-existence, never fully engaging with the emerging music business shifts 
towards streaming on or the digital exploitation of music. In all, 17 albums and two soundtracks, including Aaliyah's best works and her unreleased demos, commercially just disappeared. For the past decade, even as fans have called for catalog releases, that has been the state of affairs. Several false starts over the years, often fueled by comments made by Hankerson or his son and Blackground co-founder Jomo, led to hopes that it would be made available. Only to petter out as Aaliyah's estate, run by Aaliyah LLC on behalf of her mother, Diane, and brother Rashad, would distance them itself. Followed by Timbaland and Elliot. In 2012, after Hankerson sold a portion of the Blackground publishing catalog, to the boutique rights management company Reservoir, there was even a new track released on SoundCloud featuring vocals from Drake, along with officially announced plans of a posthumous, post, I can never pronounce this word, posthumous, post, y'all know what I'm trying to say, album of new material held by Drake and his producer Noah Forty Shadid, Shabib. Soon after, they too distanced themselves, saying they weren't comfortable moving forward with the project. Aaliyah's mother saying, I don't want this out was enough for me. Shabib told Vibe at the time. Um, I'm not about to read all of this. Um, let's get to the gist. You can read it. The com the the link is in the description box. Um, I just wanted to to talk about because I feel like a lot of people don't know the details of why Leah's music were was never released anyway. So I wanted to touch on that. Um, you can read it. The click the link in the description box. Um, this is extensive. Okay, I want to get to the good part. Um, and he even goes in to talk about why. Um, he has said protecting Aaliyah's legacy is and always be our focus. Um, for twenty years we have battled behind the scenes, enduring shadowy tactics of deception in connection with unauthorized projects targeted to tarnish. We have always been confused as to why there is such a tenacity in causing more pain alongside with what we already have to cope with for the rest of our lives. Ultimately, we desire closure and um an emoticum of peace so we can facilitate the growth of Aaliyah, the Aaliyah Memorial Fund and other creative projects that embody Aaliyah's true essence which is to inspire strength and positivity for people of all creeds, races, and cultures around the world. Um, you could probably have a lot more money to fund that if you um, put Aaliyah's music out to be streamed and downloaded. Um, in the meantime, the rollout remains to, be, to, track, to begin August the 20th, and Empire is not taking that lightly. It's going to be a pretty emotional moment for a lot of people, uh, including me. It's emotional for me to think about it, says Ghazi. Um, who is um, a CEO at Empire Records. Every modern-day R&B artist has a little bit of Aaliyah in them, just like every NBA player has a little Michael Jordan in them. Reintroducing this to her fans is probably one of the greatest things we've ever done as a company, if not the greatest. I agree. For Hankerson, Black Round represents a life's work, his nieces as well as his own. And when he's asked about her legacy, he suddenly sparks back to life, telling stories about conspiring with Quincy Jones about how to get Aaliyah's career off the ground, along go, uh, off the ground, going around the backs of the Jive to promo department to get back and forth played on the radio. Her connection through an old fight promoter pal got the video played on MTV. How her sense of style became instantly iconic, but then he stops short. I can't talk about it much, he says, taking a moment to compose himself. He looks for one final word to describe her and then starts 
when he finds it spiritual. That is all. Okay, so I, I, this is a great article. Billboard did a great job. Um, I glazed over it because, it, you know, I mean, it's a little bit boring to read out loud. But you, I wanted to give you all the meat and potatoes. A lot of people don't know why Aaliyah's music is not out. Um, I knew it was Barry. I, and I knew he, in his weird, old-ass ways, he felt like he was protecting the money. And I also know that there was legal stuff going on. And, you know, whatever. But it's coming. Empire Records is a great um, company. I feel like they do really, really great with legacy artists. And I'm so excited. It's, I, but apparently the rollout, what I don't like, is from what I'm gathering, the it's staggered. So we won't be getting the Aaliyah, um, we won't be getting her discography all at once. It'll be staggered. So um, these are the dates that um, Blackground, with their partnership with Empire, plans to re-release Aaliyah's One in a Million on August the 20th, with Aaliyah following on September the 10th, and the compilation I Care For You and the Ultimate Aaliyah arriving October the 8th. So I uh, don't like that, um, but it does give us something to look forward to. We got to take it how we can get it, I guess. Um, I love, uh, I love the One in a Million album, and I'm so excited to put Girl Like You on my record. Oh my God, my playlist, Hot Like Fire. If they don't release it with the Timbaland remix on the album, don't, I want the Japan version, okay? Like, Give me all of them. Like, if you're going to do one in a million, don't just give me the one one in a million. Give me the Japan version. Give me all of it. Give me everything. And I want remix packages. Give me those remix packages. Give me the promo singles. Give me the extended plays. All of that. Okay? I want all of it. Don't play, Barry. I can't wait for the Aliyah album to come out. Oh, my God. I can't wait to play Read Between the Lines. My top my 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 top twenty played list is gonna be like off the hook. My own repeat is just gonna be just Aaliyah. Like I listen to Aaliyah on YouTube all the time, and it I just always think about my playlists. And y'all know I do playlists. Make sure you follow. I'm gonna click and put um links to all my playlists that I have so far for publicly. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do is do playlists, and um I I feel like there's always space for Aaliyah that I just can never add. Like there's a flight playlist that I put. Or when I'm on flight or when I'm like high in the air, I guess. And it's a great playlist to relax and soothe and how I feel when I'm just, you know, a little zooted. But um, is zooted the right word? I smoke weed. I don't do anything else. So, um, yeah, I'm, ex I'm, I'm extremely excited about this. I could not be any more giddier if, I, if it was my music that I was releasing, which I still am, bitch. I'm like, come on. Like, I'm talking shit about um, it taking 20 years for them to release Aaliyah's music, and it's taking me 10 to release another single. But, however, that being said, good things come to those who wait. So, tweet me at Carmine Davis, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis, um, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis show. Uh, holler at me. Let me know. Are you confused about the Aaliyah um, rollout? Is this what you're looking for? Are you not interested? If you are not interested, fuck off. You know what I mean? Like, but, you know, I, I was just talking to my best friend about how 
timeless Aaliyah was. And he had brought up, you know, there's a lot of misinformation, I think, about Aaliyah and who she was as an artist. I think a lot of people think that I, I see a lot of shit, stupid shit online about how people feel like Aaliyah was only important because she died and, you know, all this thing. But the reality is if you, these are people who are not, they have no taste, one. Two, um, they're not listening to her albums. I'm sorry, Luna is my nerve. She's getting on my nerve. Okay. Um, she is now she's under my seat. She will not go sit somewhere else. So if you hear her walking or breathing hard or snoring, she will not leave me alone, leave me alone right now. Okay, so but anywho's, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand Aaliyah and what she embodied. And a lot of people it's because they don't know, they're ignorant. And and even when it came to style. She, she was the, a female R. Kelly when it came to style. Like, nobody kicked it like her. You know what I mean? Like, and, and the street and sweet and that vibe, that voice the, on those beats. Someone said, somebody told me that they felt like Aaliyah's um, Timbaland and uh, Missy Elliott made these beats for Aaliyah and that she didn't write or all these things. So technically, no. Like, Aaliyah was the muse. Aaliyah, the, Barry Hankerson thought... Timbaland and Missy Elliott at the time. This was 97, 96. So Super Duper Fly and all those things were just on the cusp. Like Aaliyah was working on Hot Like Fire and all those records in the One in a Million. They brought a sound together. They she was the muse. And she was the muse for static. Like that's an artist. The beauty that Aaliyah has, bitches are still trying to look like that. You have, they're a bit, like, she was literally wearing mascara and a lip and a blush and went out. And bitches have to put on pounds of makeup to look like that. The brows, the style, the body, the finesse, the confidence that she has is unmatched. And it, she, that is real. Like, she is the Michael Jordan of recording, like, of this female R&B shit. Like, she really is. There are people who've come and gone, but Aaliyah made it cool. She was, she didn't have to grab her balls or whatever. She didn't have to be masculine to rock with the girl, the guys. She just sat there and been feminine, but still you didn't fuck with Aaliyah. You know what I mean? Like, and if you fucked with her, you know, she wasn't going to bite your head off, but she might. Aaliyah is just everything to me. And I'm so excited about this and, um, we have to move on. I have to finish the show cause I got shit to do. Um, but I love Aaliyah and I, this is the best news. I am gleaming. I cannot wait to add Aaliyah to my playlists. Um, and I, I, I invite people to go and, and really dig into um, Aaliyah, who she was as an artist, and stop comparing her to bitches that don't matter, like who don't have this kind of impact or wouldn't be here if she did not come in in her Tims and her baggy jeans and her crop top. You know what I'm saying? Like, and take her voice and... Rem- understand that people feel like Aaliyah I hear all the time Aaliyah is not the greatest singer you try to sing I care for you try try it try to sing the one I gave my heart to try it I want to see you I want to hear it and that's that all right moving on the last segment is the love and relationship segment we talk about love sex relationships all the stuff that makes us wet all the stuff that makes us cry, all the things that makes us mad, sad, happy, all that good shit. 
And this week is coming from, this one comes from Cosmopolitan.com. Shout out to Cosmopolitan.com for being the first, one of the first to rock with us. So shout out to Cosmopolitan.com. Um, 20 questions to ask your crush. All of these are better than what you do for this weekend, I promise. Okay, so talking to your crush is already kind of a nerve-wracking. So if you can calm the butterflies long enough to keep up a back-and-forth banter, you're already winning. Unlike being on a first date, you got to be sly when digging in for info from your crush. You're not sitting down at a candlelit dinner just yet, so you'll need to couch the questions in a way that's not overbearing, but let's still let you get you know, to the heart of things, okay? So... One, who is your celebrity crush? I think this is really good for um, when you're trying to figure out if a guy is gay or straight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even though I feel like a lot of guys, especially, there's a lot of guys out there. This is for the gays. Um, heteros, take a, take a seat, take a 10. I think there are still a lot of guys out there, especially when they first meet a guy. They tend to be very, ugh, especially black gays. Like, you know, they try to play hard and make it seem like, oh, you know, Beyonce. You know, that's a... That's a red flag. But, you know, asking who's your celebrity crush tells them everything you need to know about the type of girl or guy that they like. You know what I'm saying? Um, two, what is your biggest turnoff? Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, or what behaviors can they absolutely not stand? So you can learn more about them. If they are your type, if they're the type of people that you could be around, if they could, you could be around them, you know, they can be around you. Uh, three, what was your first impression of me? This is a dangerous one because I feel like a lot of times I give off first and horribly first impressions to crush. Like, but you know, it's good to know where you stand. Uh, do you like the huge parties or would you rather spend some time in a small group or alone? What's something weird that you find attractive? Six, what's the best gift you've ever received and who was it from? Seven, what is one rule to live by? Eight, what is your biggest fear? The answer could be anything from spiders to death to heights to ghosts. This question gives you space to bond over something. Even if you're not afraid of the same thing, secrets and fears tend to strengthen the bond between people, Jones says. Nine, who are, your closest to you, who are you closest to in your family? Uh, Ten, do you want to be in a relationship right now? Eleven, when was your last relationship? Twelve, why did it end? Thirteen, do you think you're over your ex? I think that's a really, really great question. Um, my answer is always no. <laughs> so that doesn't, but that does not mean that I can't get the new boo going. I'm always in love. Like, you know, you fuck around. That's how I roll. Like to me, I'm never over any of my exes. I love them all. If I, someone mentions their name, I could just break in two. No matter if it was two, 10 years ago, five years ago, two years or three months ago, two months ago. Like I will, cause I'm a lover boy. What is your love language? 14. 15. What do you do to relax? 16. What is a typical Saturday look like for you? 17. When it comes to priorities like work, life, family, and friends, how does each rank compare to others? Well, that's a good one. 18. How would you spend an ideal fake sick day? 19. Are you a dog or a cat person? Which is important for me. Um, what's your and 20, what is your most embarrassing moment? The point of this question isn't so much to use the info that they sh share, but to get them to laugh. The bigger the belly laugh, the better. Genuine laughter releases dopamine and a neurotransmitter, a neurotransmitter, which increases emotional connection and makes it more likely for you to both to stay engaged in a convo longer, according to the Indigo Stray Conquer. Um, 
Yeah. Make sure you click the link in the description. Keep these this list on deck. Um, and that's the show. That's it. This is basically just the Leah show. I just added this because it's, I think it's essential. Uh, these little 20 questions. And I needed something for the last segment. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But this is the Aliyah show. I'm so excited that Aliyah is coming. Um, I encourage everyone to get into Aliyah if you haven't. If you are, let's celebrate. Let's kick it up. Um, this is going to be our last month having to play uh, back and forth. Um, um, Hot Life Fire on YouTube. You know, bring it on. And I also want them to re-relaunch. Uh, hold on. I also want them to launch all her videos in HD on YouTube under the Aliyah Bebo. Don't play with me. Stay with me. All right. So I will see y'all next week. I love y'all and y'all stay safe.